Hello and welcome back to Pinstripe Pulse. The Yankees finally lose a series. It is doom and gloom in the Bronx, but we have some real issues with this team. Angels, Blue Jays, Recaps. Let's hit it. Let us talk about it. Hello and welcome back to Pinstripe Pulse. My name is Liam. I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Jake. How's it going today? Eh, not bad. Um, I We already talked about this earlier, but I, uh, I'm in just like a, an absurd food coma for like the past four hours. I just had a late lunch, um, big old shawarma bowl from uh, Naya. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it's excellent. Uh, really fresh ingredients, just good like middle Eastern Mediterranean food. Um, but I, <laughs> I shoot off more than I can swallow and, um, I'm biting the bullet now. So I'll put it that way. Um, but I'm hanging in there. I love Mediterranean food because it minimizes, at least for me, like a heavy stomach feeling, but it is that threshold where like you want to eat a lot. And if you eat too much, just like out like coma, I don't know, just very groggy kind of food. I feel like. And I know that I ate it fast because I was listening to the Just Baseball show while, like, <laughs> it. shout out to those boys. But, <laughs> like, I think I was 15 minutes into the episode by the time I was done with my meal. I was like, that is way too fast to be eating a bowl of this caliber. Um, and then I, on top of that, topped it off with some baklava, which is always a phenomenal choice. But it's just been sitting there. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, some weird feelings about your food, and I think some weird feelings about the Yankees uh, of recent. Uh, We have two series to recap. Uh, Yankees played a midweek series against the Angels last week, uh, and then finally losing their first series of the year uh, against the Blue Jays. And it's, it's interesting how a baseball season works. It is very early in the season. We're just about... Uh, 15 percent 10 15 percent of the way through the season so obviously it's super early but the yankees dropped the series for the first time and they're only four games above 500 you know so um it's interesting how like a winning team in theory has to sustain this level of winning over the course of an entire season like this is this is just the baseline of, of what a playoff team should be um but i think we should start by going over uh kind of a stinker of a series win for an angel series. I, I don't know how you feel about that midweek series. Well, we were there to, uh, to cap it off to or to start it off for game one. So I think we should probably just get right into that. Um, that was what a Clark Schmidt matchup. I, I want to say. So I, uh, yeah, we went to the game, uh, Jake and I went with two of our teammates from the Hudson Hurricanes. Uh, shout out to Chris and Justin who came with us, uh, both of them, big baseball fans. I think they were mostly there to see Shohei do his thing. Specifically, um, Chris, because Justin is actually like a Yankees fan. I, he doesn't show too much passion, yeah, <laughs> like quite like us. Um, but I think he's still, you know, all in all, like a judge Yankees guy. But when it comes to Chris, he's just there for Otani. <laughs> and poor Chris, uh, and poor Yankees, because I messaged, uh, and I should have put down a bet on it. I, I, I knew how that game was going to go, except I would have taken the over, so I probably would have lost whatever parlay I had. Um, on the Metro North, I texted uh, Shohei Otani has probably been salivating over the idea of facing Clark Schmidt. Uh, and first inning, Shohei goes laser 112 mile an hour right into the Yankees bullpen. Uh, top of the first inning, 
sucks for the people who are still filing into the ballpark, including our friend Chris. Um, but that was a an abrupt start to a game and, you know, the good players doing their thing. It's kind of cool to see in baseball, um, but not so cool for the Yankees and for Clark Schmidt, who cannot get a lefty out to save his life. Not one you wanted to see. And it was also a cool night. We, I think it's like important to state that just because it wasn't a fun one to sit through and stand through with the, such minimal activity other than the other team scoring way more runs. And um, barreling baseballs. <laughs> barreling that. Like, and this is two games in a row that I've been to. Keep in mind the last one that I was at was that game with um, the, oh, it was versus the Twins at home oh, where <laughs> Rito just got absolutely shelled. I think he had a uh, batting average against of like 830 or something like that, which is just <laughs> insane. And that's through one inning. Um, so who knows how much worse it could have possibly gotten. Um, but I was hoping coming into this game that the bats would wake up a little bit and that simply did not happen for the Yankees whatsoever. Yeah, it was a tough one. Um, you know, in theory, the Angels only put up a few. Uh, who was even it was a. I don't even see who was pitching for the Angels. I went off the game for a bit, but the Yankees had a really poor offensive day. I mean, both of their runs came yeah. from a like not a, a half-ass, but a, I wouldn't call it a rally. But the Yankees loaded the bases like on a Volpe walk, and it was Trevino and Oswaldo on the bases. I think it was like a walk and an error. I, um, I think they got one true one, which was like I want to say a sack fly, and then the rest of it was like. Walk yeah, Volpe in walked in a run and Judge got yeah. a sack fly, and that was the two runs of the game. Um, but if you think about how bad that inning could have been for the Angels, like that's really disappointing because you have the bases loaded with like no outs, and you have just absolute traction from the Yankees side of things. You have your biggest hitters coming up, and they can't get anything done. Yeah, and if there's any weakness that the Angels have, it's in their pitching, both on the starting and the relieving. And the Yankees went up against a low-level Angels pitcher, I mean, uh, I f- uh, who apparently, oh, Aaron Judge has like eight home runs off of him or something, like yeah. something crazy, you know. So, I mean, Judge doesn't need to have a great day. Um, and we'll talk a bit more about Judge and what he did in these two series. But um, if you're looking at the Angels pitching going, Jose Suarez, three and a third to Andrew Wants one and two thirds to Jimmy Herget is probably the biggest name here. Maybe with the exception of Quijada now at this point, Jaime Berea, who is, you know, a decent, you know, uh, setup pitcher right at this point for the angels, but wouldn't really be in most organizations. I don't know. The Yankees just had a stinker. Uh, what yeah. four hits on the day, all singles. I think Rizzo had a double in the third. Uh, just a tough game, chilly game, very boring game. And Mike Trout went off a very loud singles and doubles coming off the bats of both Shohei and of Trout. Yeah, their big bats came through and then ours didn't. That's kind of like how, like the basic summary that you can get for that game. Yeah. Anything else on this game? Uh, they didn't put a lot of lefties in there. I'm trying to think. Uh, we have Shohei who's a lefty. Uh, Jake Lamb, is he left-handed? Yes. Yeah, and then we have Neto, Ohapi, both being right-handed, I believe. Oh, and Logan was tearing it up, I believe, this game as well. I think he had two or three hits, I want to say. Um, I, I guess we can talk about that now. I'm gutted for Logan. I mean, we'll we'll yeah. talk more about his impact on the Yankees, but in that, uh, we'll get to game three, but Logan Ohapi, Long Island native, um, Yankees fan growing up, uh, he 
tore his labrum. Was that the final diagnosis that he got on, on a slide? Did they yeah. release that? I, I haven't seen it yet, but based off of what I saw from the swing, I was like, at minimum, that's a shoulder dislocation, probably rotator cuff or labrum. Um, labrum would make the most sense, though. But yeah, that's going to be a season ender right there. Yeah, I got a fantasy notification. He was out at least four months. Yeah, I think I think it was a torn labrum. Um, so yeah, I mean, tough day. The stadium, uh, quick game. Show hated his thing, but yeah, the the Yankees were not really competitive on offense, and um, we'll talk about it more because this is a bit of a trend. I mean, uh, on this day we had IKF in center, Peraza was playing second, DJ at third, um, Hicks in left. And Higgy catching, I think this, uh, I mean, this is about in line with the rest of the lineups that we see, uh, most of our eight guys, but then, you know, you're looking at second, third base rotation and center and left field are, are becoming issues. It seems like we can actually talk about this a little bit, um, because we were critiquing it while it was happening. Aaron Hicks in left field was a problem. Um, remember how slow he was to get to that one ball down the line. I don't. I don't understand why like he can run faster. Like he is a pinch runner often as the only option on, on the bench, but like they, they put him, he can be faster and like Yankee stadium left field doesn't have a crazy wall to, to figure out. It's, it's pretty simple dimensions. Um, ball went into the corner. I forget who hit it. Was that an, was that an RBI double from trout? I want to say it was a double, but I forgot who from. Well, it was yeah. obviously a double, and it was definitely an RBI. Um, I think they might have scored two on that one, potentially, because he was yeah. so slow to get to the ball that I think he had an opportunity to gun someone out at home if he got to it early. Yeah, I think it. I think it was Renfro. Um, and I think Trout came around to score actually on it. If I'm looking at the box correctly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Trout's running pretty fast, but it was a ball hit hard into left center and and Hicks was playing towards the line where it just seemed like a very pedestrian way to go pick up the ball. And then he took like pick up, gather two shuffle steps to the cutoff man when that, I don't know, any sense of urgency should be getting to the ball a bit quicker. And he, you know, you can glove it if it's coming off the wall a bit hard, pick it up bare hand. Like that's a one shuffle, let your shortstop make the play. And Volpe has a good arm, and he like he makes very athletic throws yeah. from from the cutoff man. Um, I don't know. It was, it was there was a play at the plate to be made if you gained two or three steps, but obviously the slide came in easy. But you know, two three steps of a difference, and that's a play at the plate. He played it like a leadoff double, off the wall in a five nothing lead. Bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. And and he's been doing this a few times. I mean, just about this time last year, we went to a game against the Blue Jays that where he did the same thing, and we, uh, we were sitting up in the third deck in left field, and we lost him. And then we were like, "Why? Why did we lose Why him for so, so long?" long? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he was kind of chilling on the wall, waiting for it to come upon the replay. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, was I'm not sure if this was Hicks's only start. I think that was the last time they started him up until we'll get to it. But like that was the last time they started him. Yeah, which proves that we're not just being like picking Yankees fans. They yeah. like they haven't used him since that point. So it's clearly they're at the point where the maturity cycle has reached an end. Essentially, mm-hmm. I think that all they're waiting for is uh, Bader to come back. I think that's the one thing keeping Hicks on this roster at this very moment is just once that roster spot opens up for Bader, it's going to be him gone. 
and some quick housekeeping before we go to game two. We probably should have done this before, but they signed Cole Calhoun on a minor league deal. So now he's a legitimate major league option that was at the same level, if not better than Aaron Hicks a year or two ago without injury concerns. So um, Calhoun just has a different contract set up. And he's a true lefty. So like he's probably just automatically going to bat better at uh, Yankee stadium. Like, I feel like there's more potential, like even like we've talked about how good Franchi was early on and he's slowed down significantly. I think there's a lot more potential for someone like Calhoun as a veteran who's hit, you know, at an 800 OPS clip before recently uh, to come in and have somewhat of a similar, I'm not going to compare him completely to Matt Carpenter, but kind of have like 70% of that production maybe and catch some lightning in a bottle. The problem though, is that you've got guys like Willie Calhoun as well on this roster. And that's like a one for one swap. If you want to do that, that's fine. But it's just, it's weird picking up guys that profile so similar, uh, similarly to each other, rather than just trying to go out there and get like one really good right fielder or left fielder, or just a good outfielder in general would change the entire dynamic of this team. Yeah, it seems like the Yankees are playing a lot of lottery tickets and that we'll see how that works out right now. It, it seems to not be working out because um, we get to we get to game two, which was uh, I think it was a more fun game. Uh, it started out with a great first inning uh, first inning. Shohei tries to go deep again and Aaron Judge, the big freak that he is, uh, takes the ball back. Not in the most clean fashion. I'll give it, but he knocked it down to like took a homer away Um and brought it back was was the term that made I, sense because it hit off his glove, went into his right hand, and it looked like a golf ball in his right hand the way he it, caught that. It kind of felt like he was paying homage to like the NBA because they're in the playoffs right now. It, it was almost like a goaltending. <laughs> <laughs> or like an offensive rebound where you just tap it back to yourself. Or like even yeah. like a, a tip-off when you tip it off to yourself and the ref's like, you can't do that. That's illegal. Yeah. And uh, he backed that up by hitting a two-run homer uh, in the bottom of the first inning, winning the inning against his MVP rival, Shohei, um, as well as this game, ultimately. I mean, the Yankees scored two in the first, uh, didn't score again. Uh, this was a decent showing from Johnny Brito, especially as a bounce-back start uh, from from Minnesota. Uh, we went Brito to King to Wandy to Clay to Hamilton. Um and ultimately got a walk-off sack fly from Glaber in that 10th inning. Um, another bit of a weird game. I mean, the Yankees didn't hit very much uh, in the 10th inning. Started with IKF on second, and Volpe popped up a bunt. Uh, and then oh. that led... That was a tough, tough, tough bunt. You think he ever bunts again? No. <laughs> well, he with his speed, he might. But the problem is he was already, what, two for three? During this game, he was swinging the bat as well as he has all season. And now you're just taking the bat effectively out of his hands. Like, I had an issue with it from the jump once I saw him setting up. And I literally screamed outside. I was like, that is not what you want. <laughs> just because um, the trajectory of, like, the way that he was holding his bat, everything was tipped over. Um, I mean, yeah, we both yeah. bunted before, and that's definitely not how you want to go about it. Um, I think that, so well, that I... was the second field bunt of the day, too, for the Yankees in general. Yeah, I mean, as from a decision-making perspective, like, I think the bunt is the right play there. Like, if you have the ghost runner, you're going to play with it. Like, the Yankees and Hamilton did a good job 
of getting out of the inning, no run scored for the Angels. So now you have your nine hitter on second base, your rookie number one hitter, who ideally he's lived his entire life as a small, you know, middle infielder, even though he's been the best hitter in any league he's been in since he was nine years old. He probably knows how to bunt just just functionally, and he should have done at least a little bit in the minor leagues. So that's the guy you want bunting behind yeah. Judge Rizzo coming up. You know, like you you want Judge to have a chance to just hit a ball hard anywhere, and the game's over. Um, so I agree with the decision. Uh, both I, I don't know. You he, he just terrible. got down. He went back yeah. like back in the air. Like you you got to really get on top of that if it's going to be a high bunt. You if, if you're bunting and you're selling out of the bunt, like you got to pull that back if it's high, even if you take a strike. Um, because the worst thing you're a good hitter and you you hit with a striker with two strikes and try and get a runner over, right? Like you yeah. don't you can't pop a bunt up there. Obviously, he knows that. Um, and that that's a rookie mistake, and we've we've seen a few of them now from Volpe that we're gonna get. He had a great game in this game. He was one of the few Yankees that actually hit. Um, was productive. He set the table for the Judge Homer. Uh, did not set the table so much for the Glaber sack fly, but uh, Rizzo, uh, they walk Judge because, of course, open base. Rizzo takes the hit by pitch. Um, and Glaber has a productive out doing what, you know, he's coming back to form, back back to his regression line, it feels like. But opposite field, simple approach, getting the run in. I, I did like that approach from Glaber. Um, and we got a win out of a day that the Yankees probably didn't really deserve a win. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think when it comes to Volpe, it just, it's a matter of pitch selection, as you said, um, just choosing the punt at the right time and knowing when to draw it back, but we can get to him later because there's more that ties into that. Um, just with his general approach at the plate that we'll see in the next series. Yeah, I think that brings us into... Uh, the afternoon game three, uh, which was the only real comfortable Yankees win and really the only big offensive showing for the Yankees. Uh, Yankees win 9-3 behind a Nestor, uh, a Nestor start. And the big one here was really an outlier of a first inning. Patrick Sandoval gives up five runs. Uh, Yankees just get a bunch of ducks on the pond, a few walks, a few slaps. Um, and Trevino comes in with the the bases clearing double and then i think did ikf also have the two run single in this inning or was that later yeah, in the I game i hmm, i don't remember actually uh ikf rbi but i do know sandoval uh, has i don't six know balls. i'll look for it yeah six blocks man yeah That's tough. it's really bad almost lost my fantasy uh this week because he only got me like three points in fantasy for this start hmm and of course, I didn't. Sh- I didn't start Shohei offensively on Tuesday either because he initially had been slated to pitch against the Yankees. So I had him in my pitching slot. So I didn't get credit for his offensive numbers. That sucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> four hits, six walks, five earned for Sandoval. He went a full four innings, um, which I think is a testament to the Angels bullpen because they went straight Sandoval to Tucker Davidson for one, and back to Hergit back to back days and Aaron Loop to to finish off the game yeah um yankees went nestor marinaccio wandy uh hamilton and weiser nestor gave a strong six you know ended up at three earned but with that lead i liked giving nestor uh going through that oh another great day 
uh, three for four with two RBI, but just about the only offense that the Angels had going. Well, and this is the one where Ohapi hurts himself, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then it sucks because that was also on a double too. So um, it sounds like that was an underlying injury that was already there. I want to say the week prior, he's he complained about some arm soreness on a similar type of at-bat. Um, so that really does suck for him. I, I hope it's a quick and speedy recovery. Um, surgery is inevitable at this point, but hoping for the best. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> we kind of got lucky that Sandoval had his first stinker of the season, right? Um, I mean, when you walk six people, any major league roster, major league lineup should be able to put up runs against that. And this game was kind of sealed early. And you trust Nestor on the mound more than anyone at this point. I think him and Cole have both solidified the fact that they are going to right the ship if there's anything a little sketchy going on in terms of the rest of the rotation. Like, those are two guys that are fortifying everything for them right now. And that's very important. Um, But (laughs) eventually these guys need some extra support. Yeah, back-to-back days, the Yankees went... Volpe short, uh, Judge outfield, uh, IKF got in, uh, Rizzo, Glaber, DJ, Oswaldo, Trevino. Um, then you're dealing with that rotation, and then is that playing Peraza, which I think we've seen Peraza play a lot now. Um, Willie Calhoun hasn't been playing. Uh, so back to the Hicks conversation. You know where where is he, and what is this Yankees bench? Um, because. Franchi Cordero comes to play right field in this game. Yankees don't even go to the bench, don't really need to. Um, but it was a nice uh, getaway day win. And uh, the cool stat that you know just ended, the Yankees lost the first game of the series. They started the year out uh, 10-0, and I think this put them to 9-0 in games where they would potentially lose the series. So going down 1-0 with the series and, and taking, uh, taking the series win from a good team at home. Uh, not a great team in the Angels, but definitely a solid team with a good amount of talent. Um, nice bounce back for the Yankees. Got the bats going, uh, getting ready in theory for a big divisional series with Toronto. Yeah, that Angels lineup has some thump, whatever way you spin it. Like it's good to see their pitchers or their batters subdued by the Yankees pitching. Um, and I think it was just important that the Yankees sealed that first game, uh, that last game, so early on. Um, it felt like Nestor, despite giving up the three runs, was cruising the entire time. Right now, I think it's time to get into this Blue Jay series. Uh, and it started off with a weird stinker on Apple TV, um, for a somewhat national audience, which I don't know how many people are actually getting Apple TV to watch this game. Um, I know I didn't watch it because I was out on Friday and most bars and restaurants don't have Apple TV subscriptions uh, to show the game. And I think the Knicks and Islanders were both competing against it. Uh, So 6-1 loss. Uh, Herman started. Vladdy and Belt go deep. Uh, Jake, you want to talk us through this game, what you saw? Um, I was already frustrated to start this game because I had a whole debacle with my Apple TV subscription. Apparently I needed to update my entire iOS in order to stream games now, which made zero sense to me because I've never had that issue before. I guess that's like a new thing for this season. Um, so (laughs) thankfully I was able to restart my phone and re-download the iOS like 
without charging or anything like that. So I missed essentially the first two or three innings from that reason alone. Um, but <laughs> there just wasn't really any offensive production to be excited about. Um, it was just one of those games where it felt like every time they had, you know, runners in scoring position, which was very, very brief. A lot of the time there was no real opportunity to cash in or they failed to cash in. Um, and it kind of felt out of reach by the fifth, sixth inning. And I honestly stopped watching just because it was that exhausting. And I also was busy taking care of some other baseball stuff. Yeah, I was following on my phone. Uh, I mean, Vladdy goes deep off Herman in the first inning, and you can't be too mad about that um, because we're th- we're throwing Domingo Herman. I mean, this this pitching path to a loss was Herman Abreu Weissert. Um, and I, I think that might be, um, you know, switch out Herman for Clark or one of them. It's probably our worst possible path uh, to a game. So I think it's emblematic of a a six one defeat. Uh, Vladdy goes deep in the first inning, two run shot. The Yankees get nothing off of Kikuchi. I mean, one extra base hit was the Oswaldo Homer uh, late in the game. As a well, actually no, that was in the second inning, um, but still yeah. nobody on like you were saying. Uh, Kikuchi, I can't even say he was dealing. You know, watching the highlights, I mean, he had a, he had a great game. I mean, six uh, six inning pitch, one earned, just the Homer given up to Oswaldo. And then a bunch of slap singles. None of the Blue Jays relievers uh, gave up a hit. So the Yankees went down one, two, three, I think, in the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings, uh, which was a, a tough watch, I imagine. Yeah, not a good game. I mean, not much to analyze. Uh, did you see the 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 incident with Vladdy hitting and staring down Weissert and that whole I thing? didn't get to watch it live. I saw it after the fact. And um <laughs> Like we all admit that Vladdy's an insane talent. He's just otherworldly when it comes to his pop and his bat ball skills, all that. But that was he's such so an overreaction. Like clearly that's just a ball running inside on you and he's not meaning to hit you there. Um, he just turned something that isn't an issue into a problem. I think he was just trying to instigate at that point and Rizzo shut it down really quick, which was cool to see Rizzo out of all people too, should be the one to say, Hey, I've been hit by pitches. I know what it feels like, but you got to calm the fuck down. Yeah. And then Rizzo's the type too, I imagine would be like, if we wanted to hit you, like you would know you, we're not going to throw our back of the bullpen reliever to have a, you know, a two seamer run inside on them. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, I want as a baseball fan, I want to like Vladdy. And I did for a while. Like I got to watch him in the minor leagues. I, I've been rooting for him, like insane talent. Um, you know, as a Yankees fan, obviously I don't want to like him. I want to respect him and you know, whatever. I I can't I can't anymore with him. I can't stand him. It's like (laughs) he it's such a fabricated chip on his shoulder. Like you know, not to play this card, but go for it. No, go for it. Sorry. Well, both him and Manoa have acted this way for the past two years. I don't even want to. We'll we'll get to Manoa, um, for for game two. But yeah, I don't know. Vladdy has this like super fabricated like chip on his shoulder, um, that I I used to see from Cole Anthony, who I went to high school with. Like and now he's an NBA player, and Vladdy's like a better athlete in his sport than Cole is now. But um, Cole also had a dad who was like a a pretty big pro. 
Um, and like Vlad Guerrero senior is a hall of fame baseball player and Vladdy's been around it, but I don't know. It just seems like this try hard, like trying to be a hard body and, you know, not really letting your game speak for itself. Like he can take issue, but I don't know, like the stare down and, and it just seems really childish. And like, as someone who's the same age as Vladdy, like he really should know better, but he's like trying to be all that. I don't know. I, don't I feel know. like all theater and he's trying to stir shit up. So that way there's more conflict throughout the season. And I don't know, it, it, like you said, it feels just all very fabricated. There's nothing like authentic about it. And I feel like he's trying to play it off the same way that Ken Griffey Jr. did when he said he was never going to play for the Yankees, which felt like way more authentic when he talked about it, because he had, it seems like he had reasonable beef the way that he and his father were treated from time to time at Yankee Stadium. Um, there might have been some bad blood there that just naturally brewed. Whereas this just feels like it's 100% orchestrated by Vladdy's inner conscience. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, whatever. We'll see how it plays out. We have a lot of games left against the Blue Jays, um, and we'll be fighting with them down in the division. So, I mean, whatever chip they have on their shoulder, uh, no matter where it comes from, it's going to feel real to them, and they're going to bring energy. And um, we'll talk a bit about the approach that some of the Yankees took in response to that. Uh, all right, on the game two, and the Yankees once again uh, salvage a victory uh, from the jaws of losing a series. Yankees win 3-2 in extra innings. Um, I was at this game. Uh, you want to take us through the, the pitcher's duel of, of Cole and Manoa, what you saw on TV? First of all, it was awesome. Um, this is kind of exactly what you expected out of this kind of matchup. Cole didn't have necessarily his most dominant stuff, but he still had five and two thirds innings of excellent pitching. Um, I don't remember. I think it was what five strikeouts or four strikeouts, something along those lines. Um, pitching more to contact four. for sure. Yeah. So he's relying a lot more on the double play ball, soft grounders, um, soft flyouts, which is great to see because he's still yet to give up a home run. And at this point in the season, that's clearly something that he worked on significantly in the offseason to um, focus his attention because I believe he was averaging nearly one home run a game which is crazy um, but no he did his thing Manoa has been struggling a lot this season so far um, I want to say that his hard hit rate has been up his velocity has been down by more than a mile an hour um, a lot of his saber metrics are concerning but this was easily the best his stuff has looked I think his he started off kind of down in like the 92, 93 area for his two-seamer and then 95, 96 towards the end of the game, which is more towards what his mean is. Um, I still don't personally see him as this top-tier ace quite yet. I think he's still he has the potential to be that, but I still think he's kind of that second-level ace, if that makes sense. Um, kind of in your same like ilk as like a Brandon Woodruff or guys along those lines. Um, still, like I said, had a very good outing, really shut down the bats of the Yankees once again. And I think that's kind of the re reoccurring thing that we're seeing now in every series. Yeah. And it's tough. I mean, we talked about Manoa being a bit of a pest. I mean, uh, starting the game, Manoa intentionally delayed his walk-in from the bullpen, to the Blue Jays dugout to delay Garrett Cole from starting the game. I was late to this game. I, I actually, I had a day on Saturday. I uh, decided to go to the game last minute. We had a game 
uh, at six o'clock over in Randall's Island. I decided to drive to Randall's Island, take the bus to the four, get to the game at like one ten, and then come back. But I was late to the game, and I was wondering why I got in there. And um, I went through clear, and Bo Bichette was batting, and it was like one eleven or something. Um, Manoa intentionally delayed the game, uh, only by like a minute or two. And Cole had a a little bit of a tough first inning, and he got out of it. Uh, two reasons why I love Garrett Cole. One, for his ability to get through a Springer single, uh, a Vladdy double, um, and with one out, get out of that inning. That was awesome. And after the game, they asked Cole about Manoa intentionally delaying, or they didn't imply intentionality, but you know what it was. Uh, he said, didn't notice, didn't see him. And I, I think that's a big step up from hissy fit Garrett Cole about Billy Crystal throwing a <laughs> throwing a ceremonial first pitch a little bit late for his liking. Um, but yeah, this was frustrating. I mean, Manoa is a very good pitcher. I agree with you. I don't consider him in the top tier of Major League Baseball. Um, and you know, this year his uh, average exit velo is up two miles an hour um, on his batted ball stats, as well as his hard hit percentage is up thirteen uh, percent this year and that's including this outing against the Yankees in which they barely touched him I, I can't I can't think of a ball that was batted maybe above 85 90 miles an hour I know it was, it was a bit of a blustery day and there was a bunch of fly balls but Manoa really shoved and I, I think a lot of that is due to the Yankees shutting down um and that's gonna happen when you know your five hitter is Willie Calhoun and your six hitter is Francia Cordero um, and then you're going Trevino, Oswaldo, Peraza, um, all down at the bottom of the order. Uh, yeah. Hicks doesn't get off the bench for this. So I don't think he, the Yankees have plans for him doing that anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a tough day, um, but capped by some awesome moments. I mean, the Volpe homer after the Peraza single in the eighth inning was a super cool moment. And Volpe was too excited, didn't even know what to do coming out of the dugout. Um, but then we got to, we got to Wandy. I mean, it was a great pitching day up until you thought Wandy would get the, the game done. Um, what do you see out of Wandy? The worst he's looked, there's really no way to go around it. I mean, he just didn't have his best stuff. Everything was flat. Uh, changeup was right there. Fastball was right there. Maybe a tick down with Velo. I want to say, like, I saw a few 94, 95s, and typically he sits 96, 97. Um, but I don't remember a single swing and miss, and that's something that you typically see out of Wandy at least a few times in one at bat. Um, so clearly there was something off about his, like, the way he was maybe feeling that day. I don't know if he didn't get his proper rest. I'm not concerned about an injury or anything along those lines, but everyone's bound to have a stinker at some point and it just seemed to be awful timing because it's uh it almost felt like the perfect story script if you want to put it that way like with anthony volpe hitting his first multi rbi home run putting the yankees ahead in the eighth inning all you have to really do is just close it out from then and there and it's like it feels like the momentum is completely shifted altogether in this entire series and instead you're forced into a situation where thankfully he doesn't give up a lead to the point where it's like three, two blue Jays, like it's still two, two. So it gave the uh, Yankees still the opportunity to win it. And ultimately they did, but it felt like by having to go into extra innings, <laughs> like we kind of killed some momentum going into the end of the series as well. If that makes sense, like we got the win, but at what cost? 
Yeah, the feel-good win would have been the 2 nothing. Cole shoves. Your rookie gets a homer to send us home. Um, it was very interesting. I, I was with my friend who was a Yankees fan, um, but, you know, but not watching every single game. Uh, and looking at this, Cole went five and two-thirds. Then they brought a Marinaccio. Then Marinaccio got the last out of the sixth and two in the seventh. And then Wandy came in. He's like, what the hell are the Yankees doing with these mid-inning pitching yeah. changes? I'm like, you and me both, man. They've been doing this for two years now. Uh, it seemed like it seems like the Yankees are trying to get cute with this. Um, like it felt like Wandy was lucky to get out of the eighth inning, mm-hmm. relieving for Marinaccio. He did get out of a jam, um, but it it was obvious that he wasn't locating even from the upper deck where I was sitting. Um, and he got out of it. It, I guess, it's not a mistake, um, because they went Clay here in the seventh to relieve Marinaccio. Clay so looked good. Who do you go to behind? Yeah. That's the thing yeah, is like good. in theory that the way they went about it worked up until Wandy. Um, and we've also admitted like that we felt the most trust in Wandy as someone to close out games at this point in the season. He's been the most reliable reliever for the Yankees the last two seasons. So I don't know if this is one of those ones you can necessarily fully put the blame on Boone or anything like that. But at the same time, it just feels like they did overcomplicate the equation a little bit too much. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, he's going to have a bad day, um, but didn't look good. Also, it was tough because it's literally probably the third choice catcher for the the Blue Jays coming up and pinch hitting there and Danny Jansen, and it just snuck out. I, th- I thought Oswaldo caught it, honestly. Yeah. Like, it looked well, like the ball went in his glove, and then he just came down and said. I, I think I blinked for half a second, and I see the ball leaving. I'm like, what the? F-? Like, you got to be shitting me right now. And, of course, it is Danny Jansen because he just has a way of punishing the Yankees throughout the years. <laughs> um, he's easily, like, the least underwhelming or the most underwhelming, least overwhelming out of all the catching options the, uh, the Blue Jays have had in the last two years, yet he still is just a thorn in the Yankee side. That's right. Danny Jansen survives both Dalton Varsho and Gabby Moreno being on the team with Alejandro Kirk, one of the best hitting catchers in the game ahead of him. We um, also have so... to talk about how like good Bo Bichette has been uh, this season so far. And then also Matt Chapman is having an insane year. We kept them quiet a lot of this series, but yeah. Chapman's been really good as well as Bo. It was, it was jarring to see um, in, in this lineup. I think it was, yeah, it was three of them in a row. They had Merrifield lower, lower in the order. Um, they went Bichette, and even the batting average numbers are down. But at one point, Bichette, Vladdy, and Chapman were all hitting 350, 234 in their lineup, which obviously um, you might say is a dated stat. Okay, how about 920, 950, 1.2 yeah. OPS back to back? Like, the 1 2 is... OPS plays. <laughs> That'll play. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. There was this, uh, there was this uh, group of, can't call them kids they're probably like two years younger than me but they were like college kids uh sitting behind me um and everyone's allowed to enjoy a baseball game obviously um but there was this one guy who was trying to impress his friends uh, with how much he knew about baseball but his knowledge of baseball seemed to come from like his little league and like nothing past 2009 so he's looking at the blue jays lineup and their positions and he's like why is your dh hitting seventh like that's like a failure like they must be like a shit lineup and just I was like, you black couldn't and be white. farther from the, you couldn't be farther from the truth. Like they just have very athletic, top level hitters. Like, even Espinal is having a bad year is 
probably a league average, above league average, hitting second baseman. And then all of these guys can hit 300 on a given year. Yeah. Uh, he probably thinks that Bichette is just some dud at this point, too. Oh, yeah. Because he has bad defensive metrics as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he has long hair. So, you know, <laughs> he can't be any good. He wears eye black, so he looks like a fool. Yeah. Uh, anything else from this game? Uh, I guess we didn't talk about the walk-off. I mean, DJ comes off the bench. Hell of a rest day for DJ, just doing his thing. Um, yeah. I heard some people joking on Twitter. Do you think DJ even noticed there were five infielders? Uh, <laughs> or did he just hit? Yeah, and I, Talking Yanks also pointed that out. They were like, he's just so stubborn about it. He's like, fuck you guys. I'm going to try to hit it through anyway. <laughs> did you see his... um? Batting gloves. When, when Meredith was interviewing him, yeah, his batting gloves were like coming off of his hand. I've got a few pairs like that sitting in the barnyard somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, why even wear them, dude? I, he's like, a, just just go bare bones, man. DJ would would have such the the good aesthetic if he went no batting gloves. I think it just like plays into his whole persona, though. Remember how crazy the hair used to get? <laughs> <laughs> he now was he so mad about getting water on him. Yeah. They tricked him. I don't know. I don't know if they showed it on TV. I didn't watch the the interviews back, but they tricked him. I forget who got him. It wasn't Stan. I think it was Rizzo got him with, with the bucket. But there was, there was one coming up that he saw, and then it was. I think it was Rizzo and Judge, and then the other one got him with a different. Oh, I think Judge came up with a bucket on his left, and he turned and he like, tried to get away from it, and then he got hit over the head, with the he water. He hated it. He was so <laughs> mad. Yeah. He's like a cat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think also just like one more point to play into that is DJ and Rizzo have been really the only offense for this team for like the last, what, week and a half, two weeks. Not even Rizzo much. Yeah. No no one's really been going. I was trying to cut up some stats for like the end of the episode, and I, I don't really see a hitter that's doing very well besides DJ. Yeah, no, and um, I mean, we'll see it in game three as well, but there's just multiple holes that need to be addressed in one way or another. And I think Bader coming back is definitely going to help that case, but at the same time, it's not like you're getting a guaranteed 800 OPS back, you know? That's not going to change immediately. Yeah. And that brings us to game three. Um, And before we get into game three... I was talking with you on Saturday night, and I said uh, Clark Schmidt could throw a no-hitter, and it wouldn't change my opinion about him. (laughs) Uh, And what do you know? Clark Schmidt starts this game by going, I think, four and two-thirds without a hit. Uh, His best outing of the year. He went farther without giving up a hit than he had gone in any game all year. Got more outs at that point. Um, Looked pretty solid for a little while. I mean, what was your impression of this Clark and Gossman uh, pitcher's duel. At the end of the day, this game isn't on Clark whatsoever. Um, he pitched great. He was throwing 95, 96. I think he eliminated the uh, cutter a bit from his repertoire, which was significant because that pitch has just not been effective for him so far this year. Um, but I mean, it was the ultimate bounce back scenario. Uh, scenario. And the problem with that, though, is that Gosman pitched really, really well, and he always pitches really well against the Yankees. And when you have a lot of guys struggling to hit the ball, especially against a guy with such a devastating uh, splitter as Gosman, you're going to run into issues where you just have lulls. 
throughout the lineup where you'll see like eight to 12 in a row retired. And you can't remember the last time that there was a runner on base. And that's all we really saw throughout the entirety of this game. And I stopped watching towards the seventh or eighth inning because I had something to do, take care of. And also the Knicks were playing. And that game honestly took precedence because I was like, this is a playoff game. The Knicks are actually rolling right now. So it's good to see some kind of offense uh, from a New York team. So I really like disengaged once those, I think the first two runs were given up. The uh, initial home run that Clark gave up was a two run blast. Right. And um, that one just kind of snuck out, but that was due to Volpe's error. Like I think all of the runs in that inning were unearned. So that's just brutal. Yep, they were. And I mean, it it was Volpe's first knock in that sense where like he's played really pristine defense over at shortstop for the most part. And then he has his first routine error and that just kind of set the shift in the uh, air. And the Yankees never had a shot from that point onwards. Yeah, I think this really highlighted my issue, um, which we'll get into with the Yankees roster construction. Um, Clark Schmidt had a great day and we've seen a few with Brito, right? Like our, our bottom end guys. But right now we have three guys who I think are fringe major league pitchers, you know, four or five level pitchers on mediocre to non-playoff teams. And Clark Schmidt is one of them. Um, but going up against Kevin Gossman, who I think is in that elite tier, you know, or at least teetering on that elite tier the baseball pitchers and he looked like it today like everything was on like that that's that's a a fun baseball savant page if you're a blue jays fan um so i closed it <laughs> but he he was really dealing and i and i think the problem is clark gave a great outing um and i am happy for what he did i still don't think he should be there i don't think that's like his fault like you know i if he's a middle relief pitcher is if he's our fringe five Okay, like it can't be Clark Herman Brito. I think Clark is the one to go. He put up a gutsy performance. It was strange that the Blue Jays didn't play Brandon Belt. Um, they decided to go Jansen, a catcher, Kirk DHing, which left only two lefties in their lineup, Kiermeyer, who was not a plus hitter, and then Dalton Varsho, uh, who burned them, like inevitably. So um the Yankees are not good enough, and Clark Schmidt is not good enough to even having a good game go up against an ace and have any mistakes happen because the first mistake happened from a rookie and right now you're you're starting three rookies like with Donaldson Hurt, Peraza, Volpe and Oswaldo are three starters and that's fine i think they're the most talented players um right now but you're going to get rookie mistakes and then Volpe makes an inevitable rookie mistake the ball just kind of eats him up he was trying to go a bit quick um and that leads to Clark throwing one too many pitches against one of the best hitters in the modern game. Um, Vlad Guerrero takes him deep, and then he faces like an all-star level hitting lefty and just throws a, a cutter over the middle of the plate and gets taken deep again. And all of a sudden, what seems like a six-inning shutout start quickly goes into uh, six innings, three runs, none of them earned. So it's it's not on Clark, but it's it's the ethos of the Yankees right now where it's like, they can't afford to make any of these mistakes because they don't have the talent to overcome it. Um, and the bats stayed home and they, they put up a non-competitive showing. Yeah. I and mean, I think the cold reality is setting in that the Yankees at this rate are not 
even in the top two of the best teams in this division at the moment. I think that can change very quickly. But the Rays are establishing yeah. themselves as probably the best team in the league right now. And even if they slow down a little bit, look at what the Yankees did last season when they slowed down for an entire month. But they had such a hot start early in the season that it didn't even matter. None of the other teams stood a chance at catching up to them. Um, so despite us winning every series up until this point, that doesn't do you much good when there are other teams that are dominating outside of you. And like they, the Yankees have had what one or two laughers go their way the entire season so far. They're barely sneaking through with wins in the last three or four series. Um, and that's very concerning to me in the sense that you need to find ways to produce or else your mediocre pitching is going to get uh-huh. eaten. Uh, the Yankees averaged um, one and a half runs a game in the Blue Jays series. Uh, one of those being a 3-2 win, and then they had two one-run showings and losses. And even looking at the Angels series, they had one nine-run game, um, but two runs and three runs. And they have two three-run wins in the last two series. Um, otherwise, their losses, they're putting up two runs, putting up one run, putting up one run. Um, hasn't been good, and I mean, Aaron Judge hasn't been good, and we've seen just in the last two series he's been pretty solid the whole year, but we've seen how detrimental that is. So once you have Judge not being great, um, Rizzo regressing from awesome to like Rizzo, right? Like he's been decent, and Stanton out of the lineup, all of a sudden you see how shallow this gets when you don't have, you know, a confident third outfielder. Like Oswaldo, yeah. I really like him, but Oswaldo's hitting 200 and he's slugging. His OPS is like around 600, below 600. So ultimately, you're teetering with like a true rookie. Like he's not a top prospect rookie. He's showing that he's kind of a standard rookie, like replacement level player. And where does that put this roster without the pitching? Here's a question for you Do you think out of the three rookies, he is the one that's most likely to be sent back down if he's to continue to struggle? Because I think a lot of the reason he's getting so much run right now is A, the positive attitude, but like B, it's mainly his performance from last season. So that's been carrying him like this entire time. But if you look objectively at the numbers right now, there is a lot of issues there. His versatility this early in the season is too valuable. Yeah. Um. So that's why I like. I think Willie Calhoun is the first one to go because he just hasn't been I know he hasn't gotten a lot of opportunity, but he doesn't yeah. add any value on defense. Like he's only going to be a DH against righties. Yeah. Um, but I'm only talking about just you're looking the at Franchi, So just the rookies, the most likely to go down. Yeah. Volpe, Peraza. And I still think. Volpe. I mean, performance wise. Yeah, it would be him. Um, that's interesting because it depends on the Donaldson injury on how much run that Peraza gets, because if he becomes an infielder, like a starting infielder, that could be – and he, his bat potential is definitely higher than Oswaldo. Oswaldo yeah. adds that pop. Um, I think he's a major leaguer. I think he's viewed as a utility piece, like a utility slash bench piece, but I don't think – I think Peraza is still kind of viewed as a AAA infielder. So I, I would say no, but it's close. It's surprisingly close. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've been conflicted with for a minute now. What are your overall impressions from this Jays series? How did you feel about the Blue Jays specifically? 
they look good. I mean, it, it's really tough to gauge <laughs> how they would look in, or like how they would stack up against a fully healthy Yankees team. I think it would be a lot more even, especially if you throw Carlos Rodon into that mix. Um, and then also Sevy as well. I think that completely changes the dynamic of how much of a pitching duel every game would be. And that would be very entertaining. But I, ultimately speaking, like you got to be putting up runs against Kikuchi. You have to be putting up runs against the guys that are not Gosman. That's what it comes down to. You have to find ways to string together timely hits. And you can't rely on the solo shot if it comes once a game. Um, so, I mean, all in all, the Yankees didn't really give us much to work with here just because it was such a bland overall collective outing from everyone. And like you said, Judge needs to step up. Um, we are the first to praise him because he deserves all the praise for what he did last season. And he earned that contract. But at the same time, like he is human. So he's going to have his slumps. This is a poor time to have a slump because everyone else is slumping. So you have to wonder, is that because it's an ideological thing? Is this a collective mindset issue where they have all the same approach at the plate? Um, I think that there's a lot of reassessment that needs to be done with Dylan Lawson, not necessarily like his job, but what exactly is going on behind the scenes that is causing such, <laughs> such inept hitting. Um, Cause I mean, you look at some other teams out there that are able to have like throw out not household names and still put together at least eight hits a game, you know, I just think that we're in a weird spot with Yankees offense that we've not really been in in the last three or four years, at least maybe four or five years at this point. This might be the worst offense that Boone has dealt with um, since his tenure. And you mentioned Judge uh, the last seven days, those two series that we're talking about, uh, three for 22, which is a 130 average, only a 230 on base and a 500 OPS. Not yeah. slugging. He was near 500 slugging last year. This is 500 OPS. And I know that's taking these two series, but you look at the bigger picture, the last four series, uh, 13 games, he is 7 for 45 uh, with a 589 OPS uh, and only 14 total bases, three homers over that span, which is really driving that up because he's not getting a lot of base hits. He's not even drawing a ton of walks. He had a bunch of walks um, in the previous um in the pre previous set of series that we went over which helped him but only uh three walks uh this past week out yeah sound went out sorry what was that when'd you when'd you lose um after you said like we're clearing up how he had a few walks in the last the previous series yeah, so he had a few walks in the previous series, which bumped up his on base. But um, this past week, it was only three walks um, over the course of that time. So, yeah, when Judge goes down, this Yankees offense just gets a lot less threatening, and you're able to attack hitters more. And, um, you know, it's okay having the bottom of the lineup on base. Like Volpe's been hitting decently, um, Peraza and Trevino have been decent at the bottom of the lineup, but not doing a ton. Um, but it's a lot less threatening, and you can attack Rizzo more when Judge is not getting on base. Um, like, Rizzo's had a ton of solo consolation homers. Like, his last three homers have meant nothing, basically, um, including one at the end of uh, of Sunday's game. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, been, it's been a tough time. I mean, I think the Yankees had a worse offense in that weird 2019 year when we're running out. Uh what Mike Ford and Talkman and 
yeah boy but they performed better so that's what i like that's the whole thing though is it's like the performance if you take out the names like the names are one thing when you have ford talkman all these guys um that are making the league minimum but they're still putting up 800 ops's and you know hitting 500 slugging and all that stuff they're getting on base they're producing they're getting clutch hits you're not seeing any of that out of the guys that are on the roster right now and that's just frankly a problem because you do have some big names thrown in there but no one really invokes fear into your like you know pitching at this point and that's the scary thing yeah it's tough and now i i think we should preview a little bit the series starting uh today against against the twins uh how do you feel about this uh is this a three gamer or four gamer ah good question i think it's a three game also you haven't seen the lineup yet right Oh, I've not seen the lineup. Let's do right. let's do lineup today. I'm gonna oh, wait, read hold it. Hold on, hold on. Can can I guess? So I know it's a bad lineup. Can I try and guess it? Yes. It's also a three game. Right. Do you know uh, who's pitching? Okay, cool. Do you know who's pitching for the Twins? Um, uh, yes, Sonny Gray, who's been excellent this season. Oh God. <laughs> God damn it. Um. All right, Volpe's a short. Yep. Judge is Judge DHing. Uh, Judge is DHing. Yes. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. Rizzo first. Yeah, Rizzo first base. Okay. God, Judge of DH makes me not happy. Um, <laughs> Glaber second. Yeah. DJ third. Mm-hmm. Then it's like sixth. Are we going catcher? No. Fran Franchi? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, this is tough. <laughs> <laughs> um Trevino catching? No. Well, I mean Trevino is, is catching, it? but he's not hitting uh seventh. Okay. Who's in the seventh? Waldo at left field. Okay. <laughs> Tough. <laughs> um. All right, then. Then Trevino catching. Yes. And who's in center? It's either Hicks or IKF. It's, it's Hicks. Is it Hicks? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've had to wait this entire episode to say that because you have not like you didn't. <laughs> And I, you said it a few times, like they, I don't think they're planning on using him anytime soon. Well, it's like, that's happening tonight. <laughs> if you didn't prep me, I would have totally. The thing is, so you saying it's bad made me put Judge at DH and Hicks in center because this sucks. This yeah. sucks. Um, I, I, w- I totally would have put IKF there, even Judge in center. <sighs> I don't know. It's kind of cool that Judge has played every game. I guess this is his off day. Yeah, I mean, I, it's showing his durability, but like we also have to hold our breaths and like figure out why exactly he's not performing the way he is. I think a lot of it is he's just expanding pitches that he wasn't swinging at last season. That sweeper low and away seems to be his kryptonite again. And he's also just missing pitches as well. He's fouling back a few like pitches right down the middle. So he's not hitting mistakes the way that he did last season as well. I think that's going. it's bound to change at some point, but you just can't let this thing turn into a prolonged slump. I think that's the big, big point there. 
you think Hicks is playing center field because they're trying to get a little bit of the confidence from that crazy catch that he had there a few years I, ago. Honestly, <laughs> like, like, when center field is the only place. Yeah. I was listening to the pregame show for John boy earlier too. And they were saying like, I, it feels like it's a hundred percent, like a confidence thing. Like they're just trying to turn the tide for him personally. Be like, Hey, <laughs> you own this place. And, uh, Yes, he's had some good catches there, and he's performed really well there. But that was also a different Hicks that we were seeing. That was in 2019, and he was healthy, and it was before his shoulder injury. Um, we haven't seen that out of Hicks since that point. So I I don't expect that to change. But this also could be his last chance to get games in as a Yankee before Bader comes in. So Yeah, maybe just to stop being like, a dick and a Debbie Downer on the bench um, yeah. <laughs> just to, to build that up. I mean, I guess someone has to play out there. Uh, Franchi is playing. Well, yeah, this, this is Franchi Waldo and Hicks is a really tough outfield. And then Peraza's is on the bench today, right? DJ's playing third. Yeah. Okay. So strongest hitting infield that we have. Um, but that, that outfield is tough and that, and that's a, a big problem. Who's on the bump today? Brito. Rito. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully he bounces back again and like continues that momentum that he started to pick up again after that brutal outing um against the Angels. But are have the Yankees been punting game ones? Yes. They've lost like four <laughs> game ones in a row. Like, but has they, it been in intent? Because this one seems like okay, we don't care about today because we're putting out our did. worst outfield hitters with Brito. I don't know if it's been intentional, but it feels that way just because it feels like they were getting really cute with, oh, we can't lose a series. We can still take two out of three, mathematically speaking, even if we lose the first one. But it's like your back's against the wall. How much comfortability are you getting or comfort are you getting out of that? Um, You're just putting yourself in a bad situation. (laughs) Like, I think that the mindset should always be win that first game and set the tone right then and there. So, yeah, tough offensively. I mean, they're now at below average um, for the whole year. Uh, which, you know, I know that injuries are a factor. Um, but right now, Donaldson and uh, Stanton, I mean, Donaldson wasn't contributing positively that way, but Stanton's out for an extended period. We're going to get Bader back in a little bit. Um, but this is kind of the the talent of the team. Um, so we'll have to see how that goes. We got the Twins coming up for three, uh, who gave us issues in New York. Um, the sticks were big on some of the Yankees' lower-level pitching. Um yeah, it's, it's tough for Brito to see those same bats. I mean, a lot of them are going to be the same. Um, yeah, they're leading off Kepler, Correa, Polanco, Buxton, Larnack, Jose Miranda, Gallo. So Gallo is the big difference there. This is Gallo's uh, and first Kepler. time. Did Kepler play last time? I think Kepler did play. Um, no, maybe not in game one, but he definitely played in the series. Yeah. Um, and then Vasquez, which is he was also in there, and then Michael Taylor in the nine spot, which he tore it up against Brito as well. No Edward Julian, which is good. Yeah. Um, All right. Real quick before we get out of here, because my mic is going a bit Um, from these past six games, who is your Yankees heartbeat? I have to play on the Yankees. (laughs) (laughs) Um, DJ. It's easily DJ. Yeah. Walk off it. (laughs) Plays clean defense at first and third. He made a few nice scoops. Is the most routine player at the moment. And it's, it's just DJ. I think I'm going to have to cop out and go Cole. 
um, which I think I'm going to have to put a limit on how many times I do that. But he didn't even get the win. Um, and I, I think that's emblematic of how apathetic we are about giving this award out right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anything else before we get out of here? Um, Cole makes it feel like we can win any game. Nestor feels like we can win like 85% of the games and then everyone else, it's a little bit of a toss up. That's kind of like my, my final takeaways. And if we do math on that, so a hundred percent of 20% and then 85%. So let's say about we're getting about 37% from our two pitchers and then 50% from the other 60. Okay. So that's like a 600 winning percentage. I don't know if 50-50 seems a bit optimistic from the back three. As I said, it sounds awfully like best two out of three is what they were going for. Um, Let's not sweep this series, apparently. is like That's the baffling thing to me. It's like, how do you not sweep a series at this point? (laughs) And we can't even say they're just going to sweep the Rangers because they got DeGrom, Evaldi, and some, some good hitting, and they're leading their division right now. DeGrom's going to carve them up like Halloween pumpkins. It's going to be bad. Yeah. yeah. For two and two thirds. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then he'll. <laughs> 40 pitches of perfection. All right. So if you're hearing this on Monday night, um, I hope you're listening while watching the game and the Yankees are cruising to a comfortable victory against Yankees legend, Sonny Gray. Um, if you're listening on Tuesday morning, I uh, hope that our pessimism uh, didn't come true on, on the Monday night game. Um, but until then, we'll be back here, wherever you're listening to us or watching us. Make sure to follow along at Pinstripe Pulse Pod on Instagram. Um, shouldn't plug the TikTok because I haven't been doing anything with it. But Jake's been active at Pinstripe underscore Pulse on Twitter. Um, share with your friends. We'd love to get any new listeners that we have. We really appreciate those of you who make it through the episode to hear, um, who have been following along on YouTube, Snapchat, not Snapchat, YouTube, Spotify, uh, apple podcast wherever you you're able to tune in um so thank you everybody for listening we'll come back with you next week yankees have a long time without an off day which is why uh, we're getting this out on a monday evening um but we will talk to you guys soon thanks for listening